Hail and well-met adventurers. My name is Roy. I am the Intrepid DM, and this is the Intrepid DM's Journeys podcast. This is chapter one of our adventure, very first chapter in a long journey ahead of us. And tonight's guest is William Winger. Fitting enough, William is one of the first DMs I've ever had the pleasure of playing tabletop role-playing games under in my 25 years of playing various games. And our friendship has actually spanned many years and systems at that. So, uh, Will, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Always. Uh, I Like I said, I thought it was just fitting, you know, having one of my first DMs. Um, and I've been playing tabletop role-playing games for 25 years. I think we have known each other 20-ish now. Almost 21. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, tw uh, yeah, 20. Like, right, right at 20 at this point, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, you know, whole interesting story behind our meeting and everything. And um, now that we are, well, now that I am doing a podcast based on tabletop role-playing games, I plan on just talking to everyone about them. And I figured you are like the perfect person to be my first guest. I couldn't have asked for a better person to join me. Well, I'm super glad to be here. I was really honored that you wanted me to be your first guest. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's kind of get into this. Um, now, the whole premise behind this podcast is talking to DMs about their life with tabletop role-playing games and the different experiences you've had. Um, knowing each other so long, I, I feel like I know a few of these answers, but I feel like there's still a few hidden gems that could easily come across. So... I guess my first question for you should be a pretty simple one. Uh, what was your first tabletop role-playing game experience and how did it shape the expectations for games going forward for you? Well, I would uh, say my first tabletop RPG experience uh, was watching my Aunt Mary and... Uh, her then boyfriend, later my uncle Bob, uh, and their friends, uh, and just for the first few times of just watching, I was nine years old, watching them play. I was, you know, always been big into fantasy books and stuff like that. And here were these people, you know, all because my aunt Mary, she was the one that I thought like, oh, she's like the cool aunt because you know she's into rock, she's got tattoos, she's always like she loves games, video games. So it was like. She's the coolest, you know, and then it was like, mm -hmm. here's her and all her friends also like hanging out. They've got dragon figurines around their swords on the wall. It's like, you know, coolest looking place I could think of as a fantasy geek at the time. And here they are playing a game and it's like they're in it, you know, like they're. Yeah. And it it was something where watching them, I really got this sense of like, this is you know, you're telling a story, but you're having fun, you know, like that was like the main thing. They're laughing, they're joking around, they're having like their inside jokes and everything. And watching that was like one of the ones that really, I would say that was like the main thing that I took away from that was just that it was about everybody trying to have a good time and play off of each other. It really built that sense of camaraderie between friends and uh, built yeah. a lasting uh, environment that everyone could get together then. Yeah, it's, you know, that's like, that's the stories she liked to talk about on car rides. That's stories I like to ask about on car rides, you know, like, mm. oh my gosh, what was with the dragon? You know, like, <laughs> it was really good. Time. I, I can honestly attest to this because I did have the opportunity, thanks to you, to play with Aunt Mary and Uncle Bob. Um, back when we were in high school, we used to make those trips to Des Moines. And we would stay overnight and everything. And I, oh, I believe that that was honestly some of the funnest play that I had, you know, mainly, mainly because it was fun to finally play in a game with you 
because at the time it was me and you just DMing all of the games. So 100%. it was either you running or it was just me running. Yeah, it was it was a real good time. And those car rides up there, you know, talking about character ideas like, oh, this neat thing we found to that, you know, does so much damage or like, oh, here's really neat, like character background element or like personality element that we really liked, you know, like those were those were great times too. that like feeling of camaraderie going beyond the game itself. Uh, I think that was the the first time we came up with the. I think this was three point five that we were playing at the time. Yeah. And yeah, three five. I think this was when we came up with the one shot cavalier, the cavalier who could charge in and do yeah. over a thousand points of damage on a crit. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we both like, you know, it was to some degree like still early. We were still like at that point where. You know, you like story, but you also wanted to see, like, how can I break the system? You know, <laughs> what can I make that stick? You're like, exactly, Dwarven Defender with like 50 armor class, like my Master May forms, like that could just like turn into anything and like snag one of their supernatural ability, like turn into beholders and eye ring, you know, my magic fielding things. Like, we were, we were still, you know, we, we enjoyed our story and stuff. We had a little munchkin in us. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I guess why tabletop role-playing games? I mean, out of all the different types of hobbies out there, cards, board games, consoles, um, uh, other than, you know, just playing with Aunt Mary, and that had a lasting impression what beyond that gave you a passion for the game to continue as a dungeon master? You know, like, um, I think part of it was, you know, back when I started, I didn't have, like, computers were still really new. You didn't really have much that could, like, remotely touch the kind of RPG elements that there were to D&D. And, like to touch that kind of fantasy aspect. And early on, you know, you read Lord of the Rings, you read Wheel of Time, you read, you know, like all these different, all these different uh, fantasy series that I loved. And it was like, here is that like a hundred percent. And when I got, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, was really cool and everything watching them but when i got my first player's handbook in second edition and i'm for advanced Dungeons and dragon second edition i'm reading through it and like the descriptions they're giving of a game you know as the example it's like it's just so interesting and it's so cool and on top of that that was also a time frame where a lot of the magazines and comics that i was getting they'd have mm -hmm for D&D and the ads for D&D looked sick you know it's like it's the red you know it's the red box like dragon coming forward there's like yeah. the old school like Conan style artwork orcs you know mm -hmm. like you know there's three orcs you're down to just your dagger what are you gonna do you know that sort of <laughs> stuff the advertising at that time of TSR was super cool like so there was a lot of things to get me started. And once I got started, you know, like prior to that, I hadn't even really played like a video game RPG or computer RPG, but the RPG elements of like, you know, being able to do all sorts of different things and having like progression and like stories that, ex you know, you play once and then you play again, you play again, it's a continuing story. Those were all really cool. And when it came to like mm -hmm. DMing, uh, I kind of got into that because I was the one with the book to start with it, but I kept with it because, you know, once I had a good working rules knowledge, I really realized that I could take whatever somebody wanted to do and I could figure out a good way to make it work within the system. And I've always loved math and systems and uh, things like that. So I think that's a big part of what drew it to me and also just storytelling. I love to talk as as everyone can tell by now. Yeah, I, I can totally attest to that. Don't play Magic Gathering against this guy. Um, <laughs> he will break you. 
Um, so, uh, I guess with that explanation, you brought up the variety of books that you have read and everything. If you could pick out one author or series of books that has influenced your creativity the most, what what would you say that is? I would say it is probably Mercedes Lackey, um, the Oathbound, uh, Oathbound series and the Heralds of Aldemar series. She does a very good job of focusing on not just like there's fantasy elements, you know, there's magic, there's mm -hmm. everything else, but she does a really good job on focusing on the emotions of the people involved and like how they're feeling and make you empathize with the characters and also show like she shows their flaws in a way that's understandable and reasonable that you know, I, I've always just felt like her characters after reading through her series was always were always just felt like people to me, like old friends. As I've reread her series a bunch of them so many times, like, mm. and I still love to reread them. They're just such good books. That is that's amazing um, that you have just such a comprehensible knowledge of those books that have just impacted your your gaming with that uh while playing games no matter what the system have you ever had a game that gave you that kind of feeling between the players uh, a story and if you did what would you say is the the best moment you've ever had playing in a tabletop role-playing game i mean when it comes to playing um or i would dm or DM either. Yeah, either or. Um, there's definitely, like, there's a couple aspects to that. When it comes to, like, that feeling of, like, the characters feeling, like, really fleshed out and, like, emotional connections and stuff between them and everything else, I would actually say probably when you ran uh, the Jade Regent for us, you know? We had, like, the connections to different, you know, to our, each other and different characters, and we had, like, those moments of just like, oh, here's this really cool thing that happened because of the dice, but also moments of like, you know, is this the right decision? Like what, you know, and like, you know, something happened to somebody. It's like, oh, no, you can't do that, Dave. Like, we got to do something, you know, like Derek getting, you know, Derek's fighter getting eaten by by the was it a purple worm, I think uh, the celestial dragon. Celestial Dragon. Yeah, the yeah. one with the full speed. He burrows into the wall and we're like, oh my god, what are we going to do? You know, we're really like, we're really worried. Of course, Derek wasn't worried because you've seen how he rolls for seats yeah. to hit like three times with the dagger and manage to cut his way out anyway. Yeah, he starts to smite <laughs> while he's inside the Celestial Dragon's stomach and he's a two-weapon fighting paladin so he proceeds yeah. to just like cut his way out of the dragon. And I believe he ended up killing the dragon in the wall. Yeah. He finished it off while it was in the wall. Um, it was oh so fun to dig the was, body out. <laughs> look for yeah. and such. And that whole thing was supposed to be, okay, you guys have beaten up the dragon enough. You know, he's already swallowed one party member. He's going to escape with his burrow and he's going to get away. <laughs> no, it didn't work out that way. And I agree. It, yeah. It, that campaign did have a ton of just background and build on all of the characters. And I have to, you know, give props to my players because that's, that's mostly your guys is doing with your backgrounds and your interactions with the NPCs. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, I would rank that as one of my top as well. Honestly. Yeah. I, and I would say from a DMing standpoint, less because of like, necessarily story but more just because of like not the story in the game the story out of the game was your bachelor party dming <laughs> for you and 15 other dudes and having an all-night session we get through like two fights and you know we're player to player you know going but like 
people af after it's a few players off of their turn, they're going over and they're doing what a bachelor party does. They're talking, they're having some drinks, they're having a good time, you know, and just like the feeling of camaraderie there mm -hmm. for like all of us to be like, you know, we're here to celebrate Roy and he's getting married and this is means you probably not going to get to do this again. And after yeah. DMing it, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it for anyone ever again. <laughs> that was a royal thing. Uh, so I feel like that needs actually a little clarification because it's like normally people think bachelor parties, they think strip clubs, everything else. And uh, nope. there, there was there was an incident that I was hurt. So it was I was unable to leave. And these guys put together a large scale D&D game. And we basically just all gathered out at a barn, had drinks, had a good time. It's these guys were amazing with um, the way they pulled it all together. And yeah, 15 players uh, yeah. is a little much. I, I will say that the turn orders got a little out of hand at times, but yeah. you know, for, for overall, it was a great time. Yeah. It, it's, Things if I if I did it again, there would have been a few more DMs involved, and uh, also you know you made me your best man. It wasn't going to be strippers; it was going to be D and D. Like, let's yes. be honest. <laughs> that that that's true. Now we've played with a, a variety of players over the years, but the majority of our group has stayed the same. Whether it's three players are always the same, or it's the whole group is always the same. But we do bring in other people from time to time. Um. With some of the with so many of the same players for the years, how often are you surprised by our antics that you know catch you off guard? Oh my god, all the time. You guys like you make no patterns. Like, there's a like one or two kind of consistent things, you know. But like even when it comes to like actions, like I I never know with you guys. There there are certain things that I know, and it's Jeff will always fail a whole person save. Derek yep. will always crit like a crazy machine. Your mm -hmm. RNG will always be ridiculously good. And I will never know what you guys are going to do. You know, <laughs> and I think that's one of the biggest things with DMing is you can't plan for that many brains coming up with solutions that are based off of magic and mayhem. Like you're just not going to be able to do it. So you just got to learn to ride the wave. With us, what has been the longest campaign that we have ran together or that you have just in total ran for us? How many, how long was that? Oh my goodness. Uh, gosh, what has been the longest one? Um, I believe the longest one that we had like a consistent, like relatively consistent group, relatively same characters that probably would have been, was it the Spelljammer one? Or was it the dragon mech one? Or no, it was like combination of the two. Those two. So we had TPK'd in the Spelljammer. And we had to start over for the mech. So technically, I would consider it the same campaign because we were still after the same goal. Um, yeah. And we did a little bit. Okay, as you all like. Because you all, as I recall, I believe you did escape. It was just kind of yeah. threw off the plans. Um but I would say, like, overall, the longest running campaign that we've been doing, like, with all sorts of different people and all sorts of different systems and times has been Night Below. We, mm. have, we have been working on that one for ages. It's the second edition. For those who don't know, it's the second edition uh, campaign. It's one of the, it was one of the early boxed campaigns that dealt heavily with the Underdark. Yes. And it is... Uh, you know, it's something where I've tried to run it with 2E. There's some very punishing parts in 2E. We tried to run it with 3.5, and we had some issues with players uh, not being able to continue to follow, you know, have a schedule that worked to where we had to drop yeah. it. Uh, we came back to it again in 2E, again with this group. And we did, we did try 4E at one point with it, but we just decided that it just did not work with that system, too. Well, 4E um, was also uh, was also actually set, like, as an after the fact, like, the enemy has one sort of situation. Yeah. So that would have been, like, kind of different, but we also ran into schedule problems there, too. Um, yep. But it's one of those things where it's been multiple groups and everything trying this one. 
Um, yeah, we're back to it now. I feel like we have a solid group and schedules are set enough that I think this time we're gonna we're gonna plow through the whole thing. Hopefully, uh, I, I <laughs> you guys will be fine. Uh, you know, after uh, cloakers on ceiling and being fairy fired, uh, you had me. You had my heart racing there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really hope that we do make it through this time. It has been such a blast to run through. Um, what, so I've only got a couple quick questions right here before we move on to other subjects. So dice, are they just plastic or do they have a mind of your own mind of their own? Do you oh. have a preference on what you think about that? Oh, you know, I do. You know, the captain, captain crit. I don't even recall if I, I believe I coined the term in jest and then proceeded to have it earn the title for a while there he's calmed down in mm -hmm. the uh in the later years but there were definitely some moments i mean it and i would say that like it's not that captain crick crits all the time he just finds really wonderful story moments to 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 crit like you were running the one-off i i'm playing the half-work paladin I would get dropped to zero. I use the half work endurance to stay stay end up. Then I take my swing and I crit. After yep. the after the bad guy monologues, it was like, oh, it's chef's kiss story moment, you know. <laughs> and also, nothing to me beats back when when uh, Jeff made the comment uh, on an AO. Oh, the AO doesn't matter that much. It only matters, and this you know. It only matters yeah. if she rolls a 20 with that magic sword. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, it's a 20. So that's that's a decap. Vorpal. Vorpal is fun. Yeah. Uh so with with that line of thought, do you are are you a timeout or microwave kind of person? You know, personally I know this, but everyone else probably has their own opinions on this. Um, what do you how do you feel on that? I, I don't do stuff to my dice, you know, like I have bad days. They have bad days. They have bad days. They have bad stretches. They have bad stretches. I don't do nothing to my dice. I do kind of pick roles for them. There's, you know, one that I use for saves, you know, and ability checks and then captain makes the attack rolls, you know, and mm -hmm. then I've got some percentile that's like, you know, they're pretty good about story moments too. know how to like, they're the ones that rolled uh, when you guys were running out of arrows rolled the group of goblins on the random encounter table <laughs> that all have short bows because that's what they have in the have in the monster manual so they must all yeah. have arrows so yeah i don't i don't do anything to my dice i know some people like to say microwave or timeouts or stuff i just you know everybody's got mm -hmm. bad yeah i i recently just saw uh other tiktoks and i've seen this before but it's it's kind of become a thing where you know there's dice shaming you write out a note of what your dice did. You leave your dice on it and you let it sit till the next game. And it's like, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. You think it has a mind of its own, but you know, it's, it's still just a pretty rock, you know, a click clack. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> so, that's, that's human nature. We want to put, yeah. we want to put, you know, human personalities to things, human characteristics. And exactly. I know captain's just a rock, but you know what? He's my rock. <laughs> all right um so we're gonna go on to my next uh line of questioning and that's tabletop role-playing games they're great but why and the question i got for you is would you say that tabletop role-playing games as a whole has changed your life and can you tell me a story where it personally did something to um, how, how would I phrase, phrase this, um, did something to, you know, make you a better person? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like, you, you know, like you and the guys, you are that story. I was mm -hmm. an introvert. I was shy. I was not talkative and I came to D and D and, you know, I found a group of couple friends, you know, before I moved out, you know, moved out near you guys and, we bonded over D and D, Magic the Gathering, and stuff. But it wasn't until after DMing with them for a while, and then coming out, you know, to Nebraska 
and meeting you and Jeff and the rest of the guys and really being like, okay, I'm going to put together a game for a bunch of people that I don't know that well yet, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it. And it, it forced me out of that shell. And, you know, it's made me, it hasn't been like, oh, well, it's like forced introversion, but it, sh- or extroversion, but it showed me just by its nature how much enjoyment I, I would take talking to people you know, yakking yeah. at people and being around. And, you know, at this, at this point, like I find myself to be, you know, a chatterbox around people. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that like, yeah, it's, you know, it really helped improve, you know, things like math, logic, you know, stuff like that. It helped improve my ability to like personality wise, you know, talk to, you know, talk to people, get out there and also like i feel in a lot of ways it helped me be a more moral person in a lot of things because you know that's something that makes for a good story is or like moral questions moral quandaries you know like what would you do if and that is the essence of the game i mean that's the essence of the game if you take all the dice and stuff out it is a what would you do if this situation happened and you were this person or like and in particular, when you have those games where you play and you're like, yeah, personality wise, I'm going to make them kind of like myself. You get mm-hmm. to really kind of see like, how would I react to that? You know, yeah. how, w- how would I do? So it it's helped me in so many different ways. And it's brought me like a group of like so many friends that I just have been so blessed to have found it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I the moral aspect of that, I feel like we just had a, uh, issue with that on Shattered Bonds, the D and yeah. stream on the Intrepid DM Twitch channel. Just to and plug ourselves. Just to plug ourselves <laughs> solely, solely. You know it. Um, <laughs> but in that regard, we had uh, we had found some Drow prisoners who were mentally dominated in a slightly comatose state, and the party was kind of split. Well, I shouldn't say kind of. You were split. On whether oh, yeah, just stabbing definition. them and killing them and putting them out of their misery or trying to find a way to heal them. Yeah. And after a probably about good 40 minutes of discussion, and it was an excellent role-playing opportunity for the party. It it let everyone kind of flesh out your characters of moral quandaries and all that jazz. And in the end, it was, you know. It was you guys being persistent with trying different things that you figured out, oh, they have some kind of domination gems embedded in their skulls and certain restoration magic will force it out of them. With five person party, it's it's hard to like have something truly be like a split, but it truly was because we had two people who were in favor of put them out of their misery, two people in Mm -hmm. favor of we have to do whatever it takes to help these people. And one person saying, you know, we just, we need to stop and talk about this and take our time, you know, hundred percent, like, you know, in the middle. And also to be fair, we got lucky that you rolled a restoration bead, greater restoration bead, because that was the one thing we had access to that would actually fix them. And when we rolled one of the items, it has random beads on it. And one of them mm-hmm. happened to be one that would give us that spell. Like, yes. Uh, the, well. the fact that you found the, the prayer beads, you got five beads and you had rolled that had definitely helped. And the fact that you guys were taking the time to investigate over their bodies and detecting magic and everything else. Yeah. And that your plane was impeccable that game. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. I, I mean, cause it really was like, I was willing to go either way. I was neutral mm-hmm. about it because if we couldn't fix them, there was not a reasonable way to save them without putting other people in jeopardy. And it was one of those things where, you know, could see it going either way. Once we saw there was a way to fix things and we had some options, you know, changed, changed the decision. All right. If you were to actively go out and try to pitch tabletop role-playing games, not just D and D, but any system, you know, Pathfinder, uh, GURPS, Palladium, anything. If you were to pitch those games to somebody, what would you tell them to draw them in or champion them? Okay, so here's and here is like the way I normally 
approach people who have like really not much of any idea about this. You know, we've all watched a horror movie or just any movie and looked mm-hmm. at a decision by somebody, a character in the movie and thought, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done this instead. Here's what I would have done to fix that. And that is in many ways what tabletop role-playing games are. It's there's, you know, you are a character in that, in a situation that's been laid out and you're saying, here's what I would do, you know, cause you can take, you can take a story that's literally already been done, you know, and put out there and have somebody say, here's what I would do. And it's like, well, you know, you don't know if you'd be successful doing that though. And that's where the dice come in. You know, that's where that element of chance that, you know, what are you good at? What are you not good at? You know, like those sort of things come into play. And you cannot find any computer currently, any other form of gaming that allows you the degree of freedom that a good DM and a fun table can give you. Because you put something to a DM, he can come up with in his story, here's how we can make that work in some way or another. You know, and it may not always be something where it's like, oh, that's, you know, exactly what I want to happen, but he can always make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't, you can't do that. You can't come up with the kind of crazy solutions to problems in a computer game that you can in a role-playing game or a tabletop game. You can't have a character, like characters have the same depth of connection and options too, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're playing any other game, it just, it's not going to have the degree of freedom that you get from tabletop role-playing games. That That is entirely fair. And, uh, you know, there are new RPGs for consoles coming out, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic coming very close, but you're still limited in your decisions. So I yeah. completely get where you're coming from on that. And yeah. that's a good point. No, no game can come up with the option of, hey, the vampires in the mausoleum and we have these weapons that can cut through stone. Let's just drop the whole mausoleum on them. No yeah. game can come up with that, but you guys came up with it. Let's Swiss cheese the roof and, you know, let all the sun in. Yeah. Um, all right. So with tabletop role-playing games being so great, I would like your personal feelings on arch- the architects of D&D's new image. Um, you know, the effects of Matthew Mercer, Chris Perkins, Brendan Lee Mulligan, uh, etc., and the effect they've had on tabletop role-playing games, the way new players come into games, and not all of them, but I have run into a good majority of them coming in expecting this ma- expansive, mind-blowing adventure. What are your thoughts? So the thing that happens a lot these days um people that watch that stuff because i watch that stuff too and i love it you know and you know that is what is awesome works for their table works for them but the thing new players come in and coming in often don't understand is you know there's a lot of factors going on there that you aren't gonna necessarily have at your table you know mm-hmm. you are not gonna in most cases have a table literally full literally full of professional voice actors who, you know, get paid to immerse themselves in a character. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get people who necessarily have the time to make it to every single session, you know, bar, you know, anything shy of medical emergency, you know? Yeah. You're not going to have, you know, DMs who are making, you know, some degree of money and fame off of doing the game. Mm -hmm. So people need to kind of understand, you know, when you are watching them, you're kind of, it's kind of like you're watching professional football. Okay. When you go to your table, like you're going to your local league, you know, it's not that one is necessarily better than the other. It's one has more resources devoted to it. One has like people who, who have devoted more of their lives to the thing to it and the things around it, you know, because your average table, new players come in, they got to understand your DMs. Most cases has a job. 
you know, the other players mm-hmm. have jobs, they have family commitments and things. You're not always going to be in there. Some people might be shy. Some people might not want to. And, you know, that's another thing, too, is like you can find something that works for your table that you are going to find more fun than if you were probably at their table. You know, exactly. Like I Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to our table, I think one thing that we particularly hit on really well is those moments that make us all just laugh like crazy. Those like that that hint of comedy thrown in there all the time. And yeah, like some of the you know pros have it too, but it just works so much better in ours, I feel like. So uh, it's fine, it- you know. It works better when you've had the camaraderie to, you know, build that rapport to understand each other's sense of humor. Yeah. Um, if you're going into a new game, you're you're probably not going to have that. And someone might find your your humor off putting. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one of those things that, you know, session zero kind of stuff is really important. But playing on that. Uh, has there ever been a time that you've had to stop a game due to a player's behavior? Oh, yeah. And can I ask why and how you settled it? Uh, yeah, you know, I've had a number of players throughout the years. We've had all sorts of different player issues. I mean, that's part of having a lot of, having had a lot of people come through, you know, be involved in games. I mean, you know, we're often, we would often be friends with the local uh, game shop owner or the manager, mm-hmm. we'd hang out with them. I mean, I mean, hell, fantasy. They let me do my 21st birthday after hours with the door shut. It was technically illegal because there was alcohol, <laughs> but we won't go into that. Well, but, they are closed now, so they can't get in yep, trouble. Right now. <laughs> but, and that's not what closing. Uh, but yeah, like, that's the thing. You know, they would be friends with us. So when someone would come in, talk about a game, a lot of times they direct them to us and we would say, all right, mm-hmm. let's, you know, add these people in. And there's a lot of different behaviors. You know, we've had, I've had people who just were not involved. They didn't care. They weren't paying any attention. I'm not really sure why they decided they wanted to be there. You know, like I, one, one girl laid on the ground and was on her phone the whole time, you know, and like, and we've had players who were, you know, our, our good friendship who you do a podcast with early on, he loved to try to kill your characters. That, <laughs> like, that's always that's true. To you out of nowhere for no real good reason. <laughs> like, uh, the friend he is talking about is chip from the Marvel Canon madness podcast. We do a podcast about uh, Marvel comics, movies, everything else. And we had a very tenuous gaming experience together because his personal goal was to secretly kill my character almost every time. Why? I have no clue, but he had a blast trying and sometimes succeeding. So, yeah. And there were definitely times, and he's a big part of where a lot of my PvP rules came in, you know? Mm. You know, and with stuff like that, you know, sometimes as a DM, you do got to step in, you know? And when I was younger, I didn't really know the best way to approach it. I think now um, the advice I would give is when you step in, it's look, you know, we're all here to have fun. Part Mm -hmm. of and this is something, you know, players as well, a lot of times they just think the DM, but players as well need to understand. You are all there to have fun, yeah. not to step on each other's fun. You know, like if something you want to do, like, oh, my character would do this. Okay, well, if your character doing that is like truly going to ruin someone else's time, like try to think of another option, you know, like there's no, it's, there's never only one personality like option, you know, there's almost always a better, a better line you can take, or, you know, if it's going to maybe upset them, maybe say like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, talk out a game, say, I'm thinking about doing this. Is that mm-hmm. cool? Or are you going to be like really upset? Cause I don't want to ruin your time. You know, Yeah. like will we Wheaton rule number one, don't be a dick. Everybody wants <laughs> yes. to have fun. You're all responsible for everybody's fun. You know, mm-hmm. the DM is kind of the general arbitrator, but overall, everybody's responsible for everybody else's fun. Yes. No. Um, unfortunately, there's much more we can delve into. I mean, with your personal thoughts and all this stuff, but I'd like to leave some mystique that is William Winger. And because <laughs> personally, I, I know a, a lot of your tricks. Um, 
But if I don't stop us, I have no reason to bring you back in the future. Oh, I would yeah. like to have you back on the show. So I'd love to be back. Let's let's go into some DM tips. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk since it's first episode. I feel it only, you know, pertinent to talk about first time DMs or prepping first time games. What are some tips for newer DMs when it comes to prepping a session zero? What are thoughts and advices, advi advices, advice you would give a newer DM on that? Okay. So like the first thing I'd really like jump out there with is, you know, if you're a new DM, you know, don't feel like you have to be Matthew Mercer. Don't feel like you have to be Brennan Lee Mulligan. You know, your friends, you're going to tell them you're the new DM. Like I'm sure you're going to mention mm -hmm. it. They need to understand, you know, you're going to, you're going to do what you can to try and make sure everybody has a good time. And, mm -hmm. you know, early on, make it clear, like, Hey, I could use a little help delegate some things, you know, like, Hey, would somebody mind being in charge of making sure everybody rolls an initiative and writing it down on something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, another person where it's like, Hey, can you make sure that, uh, you know, people are aware it's about to be their turn, you know, things like that. Feel free to delegate some stuff, you know. Also, don't feel like you have to know every little thing, all right? Like, you know, if somebody says, like, oh, what's the barkeeper's name? Just make sure you've got a little pencil and paper. Be ready to just write something down, you know? This just, is Doug. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is Doug. This is Doug. And, you know, and when they say, what's that guy's name? And you forgot that you said Doug earlier and you say Doug and they're like, oh, didn't one of the other guys named Doug? You can be like, yeah, it's kind of a common name in this area, you know? True. You know, part of part of the uh, part of the trick is you're trying to have fun with it. You don't have to plan everything. Just have notes so when you say something, you have a record of it and you can, you know, refer back to it later. Mm -hmm. So with a session zero, uh, obviously, you want to talk to your players and build a checklist of things that can be expected for in a game. Um, it's a good time to lay down those ground rules. Like you said, talk to your players, make sure they understand you're a new DM. Um, you know, obviously a new DM is not going to just decide I want to run a game. I'm going to go to the local game shop, pick up four random strangers that might be veterans and just run a game. I I personally would probably say, you know, hey, if you have to, two friends. You know, if you only have two friends that'll play, yeah. start with them and build a little a little experience with the books. That's how I started. Yeah, yeah. Two friends. I I guess in that regard for a newer DM with like session zeros and everything else, what would you suggest running a module over homebrew or would you do the latter? Yeah, I would say a hundred percent, uh, two things, the session zero. And I would definitely say if this is your first time, you know, there's no shame in a module, like mm -hmm. almost every DM cut their teeth, you know, back in the day on modules. And it's a good, it's a great jumping off point, you know, like find a module you know, if you want to add some flair, you know, like if you're like, oh, you know, I really want to make this kind of my own, like find some things, you know, you can make a difference on, like find some changes that you think would be easy to deal with, make some notes, you know, like make some notes, put them in there like a bookmark at the points where the changes occur mm -hmm. and run it with the changes. But definitely start with a module, you know, it's going to make things easier. It's going to give you a good idea of like flow of like the flow of combat of like how often people should be fighting how often there should be other things going on you know yeah. it's definitely a good way to start and also session zero that you brought up is super important you know session zero needs to be going over people's boundaries you know things like you know phobias what, phobias what things are too far for people as far as like mm. romance uh violence you know yep. like and any sort of stuff like that, you know, you want to know, you know, where are people's like, and there's hard boundaries and there's soft boundaries, you know, there's the hard yeah. boundary of, we just aren't going to touch it. Nobody's going to, you know, it's not gonna be a part of it. 
and soft the red flag. Yeah, the red flag and like soft boundaries of like, well, you know, we're not gonna go into the specifics. We're gonna say and such and such happened. You know, like torture is a good example. You know, like mm -hmm. we don't need to go into the specifics. You know, yeah, like, it, Princess Bride. We see him flip the switch and drain the fifty years, and yep. we don't focus on him during that time. Yeah, you know, it like, is. It is very easy to do fade to black, yeah. Um, but still communicate that kind of stuff to your party because even fading to black in certain situations might leave a bitter taste in their mouth because it's still at the back of their mind. Then, so yeah. uh, like we said, you know, talking that over with your group beforehand, um, you never know when somebody they might not want to talk about their previous experiences, but if you're running a game. And you don't have to go into detail. Don't ask for details. Just simply say, hey, I was planning on running this game. Uh, it is a hellscape game. Uh, we're playing Descent into Avernus. And it says in the book that there are these scenarios. Does anyone have an issue with them? If you do, I need to know so I can rework a different encounter for it. Or just yeah. completely take it out of the book. Yeah, um, and if somebody didn't mention it before but starts to bother them, everybody needs to understand that you got to be able to say, you know what, this is starting to bother me. I'd, I'd like us to kind of move away from it, you know, yeah. and just figure out a way to make that work. You know, because it, it is, again, it is about everyone's fun, and somebody may have thought, like, hey, I can still have fun with this, and then they may realize, nah, this bothers me. So Exactly. I guess... For new DMs, would you recommend which would you recommend rolling the dice, the lead array, or point by? I would a hundred percent say the elite array style, just because you know, with new DMs, a lot of times you also have new players, you know, mm -hmm. and rolling the dice can lead to massive disparities, you know, in cases of, well, do I let that person re roll because they're really their stats are really bad, but the other ones only slightly better you know and really having to try to make that call and point by is complicated if you're a new dm like trying to help people through a point by build is going to be just a big pain you know elite array you know standard array just it covers things pretty well it's well balanced it's you know my personal preference when running games mm -hmm. all right well let's see my last question i suppose would be uh so now we'll go on to books. Um, in your opinion, what books or supplements for first-time DMs are the must-haves, and what should they avoid? Um, I'm I'm going to give an opinion here. I may catch a lot of flack for it. My belief is, if you are a first-time DM, uh, I would say your must-haves are you know the you know the, the core, your player's handbook, your DMG, mm -hmm. your master manual, and flack or not. I would say don't touch anything else that first time around, you know, stick with the core, you know, get that core understanding and feeling of things down. That's the sort of stuff the game was built on. Like it's, you know, and uh, some people would say like, oh, well, you know, they're going to want to run this. Or they're going to run that. Be like, look, I'm a first time DM, you know, let's stick to this, you know. And to be honest, in the current core books, the way things are set up, you can do most things that you want to do. You know, even when it comes to like things that you might think, oh, well, I should get a supplement and play like, you know, this or that out of out of there. Like you can work with your DM to just run the basic stuff out of the book and flavor it, you know, like an Eldritch Knight who takes a bunch of, you know, a bunch of archery based spells and feats and sort of things like is pretty much an arcane archer. Like you mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to have super specific abilities in that regard, you know. Like, you don't have to play a witch. You can play a cleric of, like, grave domain or something and stick to spells that feel very witchy. Or you can play, like, a wizard and do the same thing. Or a warlock. I mean, there's there's almost always a way to do it that doesn't have to complicate things over much. And if you're a first-time mm -hmm. DM, those supplements are just extra stuff to try to read and understand when you're already trying to read and understand the core, you know? Get that good mm -hmm. core understanding, then start looking at supplements. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, Will, I want to thank you for coming on so much. Um, this has been an amazing 
first chapter. I can't thank you enough. Um, I can't wait to play in the next game. I can't run to wait to run the next game for you. Um, so we're going to take this opportunity to say hi, uh, goodbye, not hi, goodbye. Everyone listening to the podcast, you can join me every other Wednesday when the chapters of the Intrepid DM's Journeys drops on various platforms. The next chapter will feature another DM with plenty of experience. We'll be talking character creation and actual backgrounds. So join us next time. And if you really enjoyed the show, leave a review and subscribe to get the newest chapters when they release. If you're looking for any other content that'll wet your palate, uh, maybe go and check twistmyarmpodcast.com out for more information about myself and the other talented podcasters from our network. Uh, maybe go take a listen to Sudden But Inevitable with host Jesse or Best Flicks with Ricky D or Quest Me with host Josh. I'm thrilled and excited for this journey, and I hope you'll join me in future adventures. I'm Roy, the intrepid DM, and this was my guest, William Winger. Well, I'm super glad to be here. I was really honored that you wanted me to be your first guest. Thank you, everyone. Be intrepid and journey on, friends. Have a great night. Disclaimer, the views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrepid DM Journeys podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the Twist My Arm Network and its other content creators.